Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. We want to welcome you this week as we kick off our new series, Beloved. Let's see what God's Word has for us from lead pastor Antoine Lasseter. You ever, um, like, needing, you need an answer from God, and so um, you actively go looking for the answer? So, like, if you're facing something, you say, Lord, I need for you to do blah, blah, blah. And so everything um, looks like it's an answer. So um, you're driving, you're like, Lord, you know, should I do X, Y, Z? And you're driving or or you're walking through uh, the mall and you see, just do it. And then you connect that with, I think he's answering my my prayer. Um, And and you look for these signs and, and... um, especially if there's something that you're, you're looking like you need an immediate response to or you feel the pressure. Um, and then someone, up, someone comes up to you and says, like, you know, I, I believe this, this is your season. That's my answer. Um, so I, I think while we do that, it's because we need assurances that he's with us. Um, but I, let me just say this. He's with you regardless. And that's the, bro, Vince, like, that's the battle, right? That we need tangible reminders that he's with us. But I long for the day where it's settled in my heart that he's with us. He's with us on the mountains and he's with us in the valley. He's with us. And that is what I believe many of us are longing for. Like, you know, you got the disciples, you got the the whole history of the church history in the book of Acts. And we're sort of straying from it. But I think um, last week um, I wrestled with Stephen um, because Uh, When I was reading the book of Acts, I'm reading ahead of you guys. I'm reading with you guys. And um, I I, I struggled with what what Stephen did. And last week got me, man. Uh, Because Stephen uh, is being killed. and and, And he has this peace on him, which I get because the peace of God um, surpasses all understanding. But he intercedes for his attackers. And, bro, I ain't there yet. Like, it's like, you know, somebody cut me off and I'm angry. But, but Stephen, um, and I just was asking God, like, man, that's just the, that's the supernatural. That's your spirit. That's, and and, I'm, and I'm, I'm making it lofty, and it is. It's the spirit of God. Um, but one reoccurring thing keep, can't keep coming back. He loves us. And if we ever secure this point, I was hanging out after service last week. And I was talking to some folks. And man, and I, as, as we were sharing, one thought just keep popping up in my head, man. Gina, he loves us. And I couldn't, man, I couldn't shake it. That we are truly loved by God. 
Jeremiah 31 and 1. Um, at that time, this is the Lord's declaration. I will be the God of all the families of Israel. We're the children of God. And they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survived the sword found favor in the wilderness. When Israel went to find rest, the Lord appeared to him from a far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued to extend faithful love to you. And man, Lord, I'm going to say it again. You and I, I want you to internalize this. We are loved by God. I didn't say the perfect people. I didn't say white people, black people. We are loved by God with the everlasting love. And he's faithful to extend his love to us. See, many of us have intellectually, many of us get that intellectually. It's in the Bible and the Bible is true. Therefore, it's a fact. God loves me. But it only stops in the head. It's not experienced in the heart. John 3.16, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Love. He, lo- he How many Christ followers? Yeah, if you, yeah, put a check up if you're online. Like, that means you love by God. So in the New Testament, um, we have the word beloved. And beloved is, beloved is an indication. It's, it's, it's man, it's, well, y'all gonna, uh, I'm, ah, uh, I'm so, okay, okay. This week has been busy, and I've been all over the place. And I travel from one end of the state to the next, and North Carolina is huge. And this whole time, I was getting some simple truths that I cognitively know, but I never really experienced in the ordinary. God loves me. And so the the word beloved, um, I was introduced to this word a long time ago, but I never heard it actively used until I met Dion. Like Dion, our um, uh, keyboard guy, disciple maker, friend, brother, when I used to do these small groups, he would say, what's up, beloved? And that was awkward for me. Because who walks around calling people beloved? But he would use it. And I never really gave it much thought. That was, you know, everybody got to think. What's up, man? What's up? 
So me and Chris has this language. Long day at work, long day at school for him. I go to the house, I look at him. What's up? you like, what's up? And we keep it moving. Everybody got their thing. So that was Dion's thing. And when you look at the word beloved, it actually means friends dearly loved by God. So every time he was using that word, he was saying I was his friend who's loved by God. And I know sometimes the overuse of a word, like, I love popcorn. I love my wife. And sometimes we use these words, we use these words so much that it loses meaning. And so I begin to walk this path of what it means to be loved by God. Um, Paul speaks of it in Ephesians chapter 1. Um, this is the glorious grace with which we, he has blessed us in the beloved, and it's capitalized. So the, when we see the word beloved in scripture capital, capitalized, it's actually talking about Jesus. And so when you read in Ephesians chapter one, that the glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved, he's saying that the father loves the son and he loves and blesses us for the son's sake. So we can experience the father's love because he loves Jesus and we are blessed because we believe in Jesus. And so we can experience the love of the father, not by our own means, but by what Christ did. So um, hope you can see this. Um, this is a heart. Yeah, I'm getting deep, right? And, and, and so um, I'm telling you, you and I are loved by God. All right? And so Proverbs 4 and 23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. That's your heart. But we also recognize that we live in a broken world. And what happens to our hearts, we start having these holes. Now, Proverbs 4 and 23 says, guard your heart above all else. Because out of it flows. And out of it becomes the source of life. So I have things in my heart. That flows out. Jeremiah says that the heart is the heart is uh, deceitfully wicked. Your heart, our hearts are so wicked that we're deceived by it. So I know God loves me in my head because that's what the Bible tells me. But am I living it out? In my life, how can Stephen walk through this journey and is killed and looks towards heaven and says, Lord, forgive them? He literally says, don't count this sin against them. And I'm wrestling with like how and I 
I use some harsh, Lord, how in the world? Sunday evening, I discovered Buffalo. I didn't know what was going on in Buffalo, New York. I'm on this, Tanya, tell you, I'm on this thing that I don't watch bad news. I can't, I, I don't know. I'm trying to guard my heart. But even guarding my heart does not mean I'm not exposed to the elements. Life happens whether I'm guarding it or not. And so I'm, I'm, then I, I see a pastor. We look for religious leaders during times of tragedy. And the, and the pastor said, we need healing to begin. Wait a minute. I'm tired of waiting for healing to begin. Something, man, and God's like, guard your heart. Because out of it flows issues. And I'm like, I'm torn now. Because I'm angry on one hand, and he tells me to guard my heart on the other, then I go back to Stephen. And Stephen is looking towards heaven and said, don't count the sin against him. So now, bros and sis, now I'm in this tension. I'm frustrated. But at the same time, I'm hopeful. Now, how, pastor, in one breath, you say you're frustrated. And in the second breath, you say you're hopeful. Because it's what I started with. I'm loved by God. And so what I'm realizing is my first point if, if this heart and these holes are, go unchecked, they infect my whole heart. And if we're going to walk this thing out, we have to recognize the holes that we carry in our hearts and bring those holes to God. Because I started with this point number one, Justin. We live out what we believe. If I believe I'm loved by God, and that's what I'm going to live out. If I believe that I'm not worthy, that's, that's what we live out, what we believe. And then I come to recognize that needs drive narrative. And so what I need drives the story that I tell myself. So if I deal with rejection, I may be a needy person. If I deal with insecurities, I may have feelings of worthlessness. And that will determine the story I tell. That lens of my heart determines what I see. And so we have a bunch of people that can intellectualize that God loves them. And it goes no further than their own heads. How do we get the love of God to our hearts? Because we always do what we believe. And this is the journey. So when do you think we are, we are at our most vulnerable? Shout it out. When do you think? Excuse me? I can't hear you. When we're in pain. When do you think we're the most vulnerable? Pain. We're vulnerable after victory. Sometimes it's victory. When we're broke, yeah, <laughs> facts. 
The whole church is like, I know that's right. I'm vulnerable right now. So we're most vulnerable when we have a what? A need. And here's what I'm, I'm recognizing. But we're also the most vulnerable when we are children. You see, when I'm a child, Rob, I can't guard my own heart. That's what parents are supposed to do. It's to guard my heart as a child. So now we get to a certain age and these holes begin to spread. And we begin to live out these holes. And the fundamental question that all of us at one time or another are going to or are going to enter into this. The fundamental question is, who am I? So. Is it what I do? Is it what I have? Or is it what people say about me? So my heart has, is dealing with trauma bad experiences, and because they're not dealt with, they just spread. And they spread in every area of our lives, even the areas that we've mastered. Oh, one person struggling in their finances, and they're like, man, struggling my finances. The other person struggling, their, they're not struggling their finances. It's they're going, 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 going because money becomes a security and they get, they, they feel better about themselves when they have money. It comes from the same wound. So even when we are experiencing success, doesn't mean we've mastered it because some of us are living out the wounds in every area of our lives. So the young have to act old. And the old have to act young because we don't recognize that we are who God created us to be in spite of. So we keep going through this. I need for you to repeat after me. Repeat after me. I am not what I do. I am not what I have. I am not what people say about me. I think, I think if we're going to be able to make disciples, we have to recognize that all of us, say all of us, all of us. on the same boat. Every last one. You may not be able to see what I struggle with, but I got struggles. You may not be able to see e even in the smile that I hide behind. But there's some holes here. And these holes are the things that, that are driving how I see. And that's the narrative. But enter Christ. John 10, 10 says, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jeez. But I have come so that I may have life and have it in abundance. If we want life, we must be in Christ. Now, all of us, We'll agree to that. Amen. Pastor, you're doing good. But there's the next chapter, the next chapter. I mean, next verse of John 10, 10, he says, for I am the good shepherd. They are connected. And he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What I could not do, he did. I want you to see the exchange. We can't fix the holes in our hearts. No matter how hard we try, but he can. I wanna, I'm going to say it again. We cannot fit, fix the holes in our hearts, 
but he can. But we must be rooted and grounded by his love. I want you to get your heart. Um, I'm, the, I'm loved by God. I want you to say it. I'm going to sit on that. You love by God. And so whether you are searching for love, look at that word, be loved. Whether I'm searching for love, which is being whole or healed, but being loved is the struggle and substitutes will not do. So what I try to do, knowing that I need to be loved, I do patchwork. And I substitute things to fill that void. But them holes still bleed through. And I'm still acting out what I believe, no matter how much I try to cover it up. I love when folks have a gift. And I used to, uh, hey, I'm, I'm talking about me, and, and you have this gift, and you want this gift to go forth because part of my gift brings me significance. And so when people say, hey, you're not ready, then I'm thinking they're being critical because the insecurity is bleeding out. And so it's, it's, it's we're in a relationship. We are, we are so being led by our uh, holes in our hearts that even in relationships, we see what the other person is really about, but we ignore it because we. So we even are in relationships where our holes are bleeding through. And we overlook. And time and time again, we try to substitute maybe a spouse, maybe our children, maybe alcohol, maybe eating, maybe sex. We try to fill these holes. Then Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says he sets eternity in our hearts. And eternity is a place that only he can plug. But we try to live out what we believe. So we don't believe that we are children of God. We don't believe that we're loved by God. And so we live out what we believe. So there's a longing for significance in a sense. And this is what's so crazy about that he sets eternity in the human heart. That's not just for Christians. That's humanity. All of us have something in us that says there has to be more. That come from God himself. A few moments, a few months ago, we did a, a class on significance. We actually had people who weren't even a part of the church actually try to participate. Because people want to know what their purpose is. And so we can build a church for people discovering their purpose. But did you not know that the word, the Hebrew word, I think it's Shema, Shama, Listening and obedience is the same word. So we're training people to hear from God, substitute counterfeits, false prophets who itch us, who scratch the itch. We're training people to hear from God, but not obey him in the same breath. 
And so we can't fully discover our purpose until we are listening and obeying God. And so to fill the void, we find something to fill it. Now, I don't know what your something is, but if it ain't Jesus, so we keep silencing our heart's cry when it goes unanswered with something other than Jesus. And so what he does is, this is the hard part. Everybody say, this is the hard part. It's when we get in contact with him, this is what he does with the stuff that we're trying to cover up our holes with. He says, uh-uh. We got to get to the root of this. No, because I don't care what mask you put on it. That hole's still there. And that is the painful part. But it gets harder because when he decides and it's actually based on us, that when he starts drawing us closer to him and he starts saying, OK, yeah, you accomplished one thing, Lassiter. But you just tipped the iceberg, bruh. But I'm doing so good in this. Yeah, but there's triggers here. So oftentimes the path to healing is a lifelong journey. Brothers and sisters, here's the good news and the bad. We don't master nothing. Even if I use this example, so me and Tanya, we're going to Atlanta and you got, we're flying to Atlanta and you guys are driving. Just because we got there first don't mean we better than y'all. We just got there first. So when you hear us say, hey man, pack a coat, it's colder than usual. I'm not trying to stop you from getting to Atlanta. I'm trying to warn you. Because when we got there, we packed like we were, it was was the summertime. But when we landed, it felt like it was winter. So because we got there first, we hollered back at y'all. And we said, hey, put a jacket on because it's chilly down here. If you haven't left yet. But when I have a hole and people point out what they see in you because they struggle or struggling with the same thing, you have not been found out. We just in the same boat. We're on the same boat in the same room. Give you an example. So if you deal with insecurities, you know what insecurities look like. And okay, so Romans 8 Justin, put it, Romans 8. I don't know how much time. So here's the fundamental belief. The fundamental belief is that we are loved by God. Keep saying it. I am loved by God. Say it with your chest. Right. You're loved by God. And so Paul in Romans chapter 8, he's answering so many difficult questions. He says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction. Put that right here. Can affliction. All right. Distress. Persecution. Yeah, I misspelled it. So what? That was for Justin. Justin has a way of um, 
put me in my place in the most theologically humbling way. So me and Justin was talking, and, um, and so I, I think it's my thing, right? It's my thing. So when, when, I'm, when I'm reading scripture, Justin says, I don't like it when you skip names in the Bible. Oh. There are people, and they have names. So I said, hey, man, won't you go up here and preach every 52 Sundays in a year? You know that dude looked at me and said, I will. Whoa. Okay, about time you leave, bro. (laughs) About time you leave my house. Okay, so persecution. And then he says famine. It's crazy, man. He says famine. What else he says? Nakedness. He says nakedness. He says danger. Sword. So the present reality is that we are loved by God. I want you to hear this. We are loved by God. We're loved by God. Say it with me. We are loved by God. And so when Paul asks that question, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Mm. I want you to understand that we are more than conquerors in all these things, the previous things. We are more than conquerors through him who what? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or, nor rulers nor things present for, nor things to come nor powers nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Affliction. So he he names affliction. Affliction is something that causes pain or suffering. Pressure. Oppression. So he says affliction will not separate you from the love of God. Distress. Distress is anxiety. The the, the word that's used for distress is when the walls are feeling like they're closing in on you. And he says, even in distress, when those walls feel like they're closing in on you, the the, the Greek word is, um, it's literally translated as the narrowness of a place. You ever been so distressed you find it hard to breathe? He said that even in those moments that we cannot even catch our breath, doesn't separate us from his love. He says persecution, ill treatment, hostility, cannot separate us from his love. Famine, that's lack, not having Being broke cannot separate us. Not having enough. Nakedness, that word is literally shame. Not even shame. That's how much he loves us. 
that the shame of what either happened to me or I did cannot separate me. Uh, danger. Danger is, a, is, is, an up, is a, a pending consequence or a pending action that's lurking behind doors. He says, the sword. Violence. And so I put that in the backdrop. That even in violence, nothing or no one, Paul covers it all whether they're rulers or whether it's people, whether it's legislation, whether it's a group of nothing can separate us from the love of God. That is our security. That is the firm foundation that we sing about, that hurricanes and earthquakes and storms could be all around me, but I'm on the rock. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Can't separate us. The worst of circumstances cannot separate us from the love of God. But these circumstances can attach themselves to the holes I already have. And when that happens, we must be reminded of God's love. Because here's the thing. Life happens. Tragic, tragedy happens. Life is tragic. But God is good. And that's where we have to remind ourselves that he loves us with an everlasting love. So when I don't, I don't, meet the standard. And some, most times people, what I realize that most times the standard is what I put on myself. It's how I see the church. It's how I mark uh, where my wife and I should be, where my boys should be. It's the standard that I put on myself and brokenness isn't an excuse to hurt people, but explains why though, because we're broken. Okay, Genesis chapter three. Adam's a grown man. And then when Adam is found out with his sin, the first thing he does, that woman you gave me. And so Adam, um, it's not even her fault. You're responsible for the decisions that you make. And the first problem that most of us don't want to admit, I'm where I am because of the decisions I made. And life has a way of influencing me to make decisions that are hard, but I am where I am because of the decisions I made. And that's hard, because I got every excuse in the world to be a bum. But here's what I love about Jesus. Being broken doesn't mean you are worthless. Ah, man. As I was studying this, man, God, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a Japanese art form called um, kintsugi. And kintsugi um, is pottery that has been broken, but reattached with gold. 
And the beauty of this is that the broken pottery is now more valuable because it's been connected by gold. There is value in your brokenness. And you are worth more because you're broken. I no longer hide behind my brokenness. I share it. Because my brokenness reflects kintsugi, kintsugi, that God took those broken pieces of my heart and joined them together with gold. You and I are more broken, are more valuable when our hands have been knitted and joined together by the one who says we're loved. We have the benefit of your brokenness. Because you know how it felt to lose dot, dot, dot. And still raise your hand and say, God is good. There's a benefit. And that's the good news. And here this whole time, what we've been doing is putting on masks, hiding in the shadows. And he's like, no, no, no. Your brokenness is what makes you valuable. And this because our brokenness understands God's redemption. And the truly good news is that God is not a distant God. The good news, man, this blew my mind. I was talking to Brandon Crooms from Austin. So he moved to San Antonio and we was talking about how, excuse me, how all of this, all these things became part of with me and him and I disciple him and he's uh, 20 some, he's 2,000 miles away and I've been discipling him for the last six years, I think. And we started in uh, McAdoo's in this bar and, you know, with, with, with this journey, life has been up and down and up and down. And, um, We've always stayed in contact. When he graduated, he has a PhD in physical education and he's doing well and we keep in contact and we were talking and we start talking about, um, we was just talking about the beauty of what God has done, but we also admitted our struggles. And, and here's what I love about this relationship because we were able to share our struggles and then build each other up. And I said, hey, I may be discipling you, but don't fool yourself. You're discipling me because this is the relationship. Listen, I'm your pastor and I love you, but I don't have all the answers. You are benefiting from 46 years of brokenness. And what makes me value has no, valuable has nothing to do with me. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Antoine. It's the God of my grandfather. It's the God that I experienced, that he took my brokenness and didn't throw any peace away. He took my brokenness, your brokenness, and he's fashioned it with gold. And this is what, and I was telling him, I was talking to him. I was like, man, everything I've been through, and it just, I'm a slow learner. And everything I've been, I've been through, I said, man, I knew God was with me. And that's Emmanuel, God with us. So in the middle of this brokenness, he was there. He was there. And he's available to wash that brokenness away. Because I can live with it or even in it without belonging to it. I can share what I've gone through and not let that form my identity. 
because I am a new creation. And so whatever it is, as long as God is with me, I can go through it and not have it, even if it attaches itself to me, I can go through it because he's with us. But then you keep reading, God of the Old Testament, he was among them, he was near them, and now he's with us. But now when Jesus looks over to his disciples and said, I'm going to leave a comforter, and not only will I be with you, but now I'm in you. And this is the beauty of God. And God wants my whole heart. God wants your whole heart. God wants your whole heart. God wants your whole heart. We don't have to live with the shame. We don't have to live with the threat of violence. It shapes my heart, but my narrative changes. Because when I forget that I belong to God, circumstances determine my worth. So I'm having a good day based on what's happening to me. Instead of letting the love of God overflow No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Now think about the threat of death. But think about when you've already died to it. And, and to the threat of death. And he says, no angels, no rulers. That's why he said in another, another book, if the angels come speaking another gospel, leave them alone. He's literally covering everything. Nor rulers, nor things present. How it feels now, how it is now, or the things that are looming on the horizon. Nor powers, nor height, nor death. When I'm on the mountain and I'm looking down, it's like, look what we've accomplished. Oh, my God, it's marvelous. All that stuff, whether I'm in the valley, can't catch a break. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Because God wants to be known by us in the deepest, darkest moments of our heart. Once the heart is secure, once the heart is secure, I can live out the abundance very slowly. His blood flows out. I still got the wounds. I mean, I still got the scars. But something else is happening in me now. These holes are being covered in his blood. And that's what begins to flow out of me. So you may have seen this weight loss journey that I'm on, but it ain't about losing weight. It's about his love flowing through me. It makes me see my boys different. It makes me experience a love. And so when all these pressures come out, all these pressures, remember, look at all of these things surrounding my heart. 
Look at all these things surrounding your heart. But you know what happens when pressure is turned out? What's in you comes out. And yeah, we, life is like this. Sometimes, I say it a lot, sometimes I'm Superman. I'm catching bullets with these teeth. And sometimes I'm Clark Kent, I'm cowering in the corner. But the one thing must remain, Thomas, one thing must remain is I'm secure in his love. That, that his love is where we find our identity, our security, and ultimately our authority. And that's why when we secure his love, the pressures might not change. The circumstances may not change. But you know what, Eric? I have. You have. We are now going before him in love because the invitation has been extended. And the extension of that invitation is rooted in John 3.16, for God so loved the world in this way, that Jesus had to endure much so that you and I will be called the children of God. Beloved. That's the highest position that you can be called. A child of God, a son and daughter. And the premise is, but you don't, you don't know what happened to me. You're still his son and you're his daughter. You, you don't understand what I, what I face with. You're still his son and daughter. You don't understand what's going on between me and my, you still. And it goes back to Romans 8. Nothing, not a thing or no one can separate me from the love of God. That was Pastor Antoine kicking off our new series, Beloved. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. If you are in Charlotte or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays at 1033 on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and be sure to check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.